Welcome to the Awareness Offerings Podcast, a weekly offering of yoga philosophy discussion and guided meditation for the moments we're living in. I'm your host, Lara Tara Davy Joplin. I'm a yoga and meditation teacher, spiritual social media strategist, and integrative counselor, working to integrate the principles of the spiritual path into every aspect of my work and my life. This podcast is an extension of that work as I navigate the world as a white woman devotee of yoga, living at many intersections of privilege, living in the West, and trying to live with awareness. Thank you for joining me in this work. You're listening to episode 25, True Love Transforms. Here we are. Welcome back to Awareness Offerings. We were on hiatus last week because I traveled to Denver, Colorado for a little adventure and decompression, and we will be on hiatus again next week. It's the week of Christmas, so there will be no new episode next week. There will, however, be one the following week, that last week of December. So this is the second to last Awareness Offering of the year. We will practice together today, and then we'll have one more episode to wrap up the year, and then we'll go into 2022 together. So I'm really excited to be here and for what's to come. If you'd like to support what's going on here on the show, the best ways you can do so are by rating and leaving a review on whatever platform you're using to listen, which just helps more folks find the show. And if you feel called to share by word of mouth or on social media, thank you for that as well. So we'll start with our opening ritual of singing the sound of Om together one time. And Om is the sound of consciousness. It is the fundamental vibration of consciousness energy. And recently, one of my teachers, Darren Rhodes, who is an excellent yoga teacher and founder of the Yoga Hour Method, taught me that Om is a neutralizing sound. And neutrality brings perspective, is what he said. So with this sound, this tool we're about to use, we're basically neutralizing the charge of whatever it is that we're bringing into this space so that we can access deeper perspective or deeper awareness, if you will. As always, you can sing along or just do this practice by listening. And if you're coming along, I'll invite you to get your body into a comfortable position. You might close your eyes or soften your gaze by looking down the tip of your nose or looking at the floor. If any of those techniques are safe and supportive for you in this moment, just to prioritize your internal experience over the external for just a moment. I'll invite you to take a deep breath in through your nose if nostril breathing is available to you right now. And a full exhale through your nose, just clearing some space for that perspective. And then we'll inhale for one sound of OM together. Thank you for joining me in that practice. And now we'll go into this week's discussion. And before we do so, I'll give you a heads up just to keep you oriented to the sensory experience that you might be having as you listen. There is some yard work happening across the street from my house right now, so it's possible that some of those sounds will pick up as I'm recording. And I'm remembering one time my teacher was teaching an outdoor meditation and there was construction or some sort of thing like that happening and there was just this incessant hammering happening the entire time and she just said use the hammering to take you deeper so if and when 
any sounds come up, I'll just invite you to use them as part of the landscape of your present moment experience. So this week, our topic of discussion is true love transforms. And I am over here trying to be a little punny again. That is a play on the True Love Waits campaign that was incredibly popular in the early 2000s, especially in the Christian church of which I was a part when I was younger. And so I was for lack of a better word, subjected to the true love waits ideology. I did wear a purity ring at some point or at one point in my youth. And true love waits is basically just the idea that, um, true love, that, um, folks should quote unquote, save themselves for marriage, right? Folks should wait to find their true love and not have sex with anyone until they are married to their true love. And I don't want to knock that idea. I think that if it is a practice that feels right for any given person, I'm all about it. But the way that it was kind of presented and used when I was younger was very much about, you know, shame around natural human functions and human bodies. And there was a lot of um, kind of misogyny in there, a lot of um, repressive ideas about who sex is for and what sex means and, um, just there's a lot of shaming in it. And so I'm intentionally choosing to use that and turn it on its head a little bit as I talk about the concept of love, because the true love waits, um, idea feeds into this larger mythos um, that we're often conditioned to accept, especially in in Western culture, which is my culture, I'm in the United States, um, that love is this happily ever after, right? It is this um, almost exclusively romantic notion where we have to look and look and look, and then we find our partner, and then we, you know, we, we wait and we remain quote unquote pure for them, and then we have sex and we get married, except probably not in that order according to that doctrine, and then everything is good, and we're secure, and we're good, and we live happily ever after, and there's there's no other work we need to do on the um, on the front of love, and I'm, I'm intentionally trying to, <clears throat> excuse me, trying to turn that on its head a little bit um, as I examine the concept of love through a very specific lens. And when I say very specific, it's because I'm recording this episode the last couple weeks of December 2021 on the week that Bell Hooks left her body. And Bell Hooks was an absolutely revolutionary black feminist, social critic, a writer, just a gorgeous wordsmith, and one of the pioneers of modern intersectionality, right? Intersectional theory, especially in relation to feminism, this idea that we can't separate different identities as in the identities of being a woman, of being black, of being queer. There has to be um, an acknowledgement of how those intersect. And if we try to separate them and prioritize one over the other, especially perhaps, you know, womanhood over blackness, if we're talking about, um, you know, white lady feminists and all that that um, implies, that we run into trouble. So she was this radical incredible intersectional feminist. And I say radical only because her ideas were transformative. I don't use the word radical um, in in its in the connotation that it has taken on in the last couple years, um, you know, to mean extreme or too much. I just mean transformative. So Bell Hooks left her body this week. And as I was sitting with her death and holding space, I was exploring some of her work and her writing. And I came across two separate but very much 
seemingly interconnected passages of hers about love and really about what love means. And I'm going to share them with you. And then I want to discuss love through that lens, especially as it relates to yoga philosophy and yoga practice, because that's what we do here on Awareness Offerings, and how it relates to my understanding of love in my life, um, because all of that is connected. So I'm going to read both of these passages to you as if they were one passage. They're two separate passages, but I'm going to read them as if they were one. And I'm going to do it twice. I'm hearing the leaf blowers again. So just a heads up, you might start to hear them too. Um, But I'm going to do it twice. I'm going to read them in the order that I found them. And then I'm going to flip them and read them the other way. And the inspiration for this comes from a sacred reading practice that I learned from a wonderful podcast called Harry Potter and the Sacred text. Um, And it was a project started by two friends and colleagues who both studied and worked at Harvard Divinity School and chose to um, week by week examine each chapter of the Harry Potter novels as if they were a sacred text, a text um, as profound as, say, the Bible um, or any other sacred text in, in that it it has something to teach us about love. That's how they chose to look at Harry Potter. And they're actually continuing to do that. um, But over the months and years, the lens through which they look at Harry Potter has gotten more and more critical as the the author of Harry Potter has become more and more problematic. Um, But this practice comes from that podcast because they would do all of these different sacred reading practices from different faith traditions um, with the text to examine it in different ways. And this one um, is inspired by the practice of flora legia. And florilegia is a practice of looking at the text and picking out a couple, two or more words or phrases that really stand out to you. They're called sparklets because they're they're phrases or sentences that really sparkle to you. And you pick them out and then you put them beside each other, even if they're nowhere near each other in the text, and you see if they reveal a deeper meaning to you. So I'm putting these two passages from bell hooks beside each other. I'll read them in one order and then I'll flip them to see if they reveal a deeper meaning. And each time I read them, I'll pause afterward just to allow us to sit with and invite us to sit with whatever is revealed, right? I'll invite you to notice what comes to your mind, what you feel in your heart, what physical sensations you feel as you sit with whatever meaning arises. And then we'll talk about love through the lens that Belle presents to us. So Belle said, When the practice of love invites us to enter a place of potential bliss that is at the same time a place of critical awakening and pain, many of us turn our backs on love. Dreaming that love will save us, solve all our problems, or provide a steady state of bliss or security only keeps us stuck in a wishful fantasy, undermining the real power of love, which is to transform us. Now I'll read them the other way. Dreaming that love will save us solve all our problems, or provide a steady state of bliss or security only keeps us stuck in a wishful fantasy, undermining the real power of love, which is to transform us. 
When the practice of love invites us to enter a place of potential bliss that is at the same time a place of critical awakening and pain, many of us turn our backs on love. So whatever it is that you felt or thought as you took in those words from Bell Hooks, who is now an ancestor, I'll just invite you to take it as information. And the information that I have obtained by sitting with those two passages are kind of two definitions or two insights about what love really is and means and what the function of love is. The first is that love is partially about critical awakening. And I really love that phrase, critical awakening. And she directly contrasts it to the word bliss, indicating that love is not just about bliss, right? It's not just about that finding that romantic happy ever after and then knowing we've done all we need to do in the realm of love and we're good. It's actually about critical awakening, which can at times be uncomfortable and as she says herself, painful. So love is about critical awakening. And then her second idea, her second assertion about the function of love is that its deepest purpose its true purpose is to transform us not to make us comfortable not to you know set us up with a lifetime of security and um you know again just these happy ooey gooey feelings even though that can be a part of it and i'm not knocking that but all of that is peripheral to the fact that love is actually meant to transform us And as I have absorbed the meaning of these passages as I take it and as um, it has revealed itself to me in the wake of Bell Hook's passing and just in the context of my own life, I have been really struck by how that relates both to my own life and my own process with the concept and practice of love and how that relates to the path of yoga as I understand it because you know relating things to the path of yoga is basically the point of this podcast so I'm going to share a little bit about both of those and then we're going to practice with it of course. So I'll start with the way that this relates to my own life especially the idea that love is a critical awakening because I am an unpartnered woman in my late 20s. And while in this day and age, that's not entirely radical, I'm still living in a time where many of my peers are married and starting families. And so it's still a little bit different um, than the, the experience of many people around me. And having this time to kind of both try and fail at having different relationships and not having had that serious partnership pan out yet, although it is something I am pretty sure I want, Um, and just having time to not try with partnerships and intentionally be with myself um, has given me more time 
to challenge that idea um, that love, you know, the true love waits doctrine, that love is this happy ever after where once we find it as if it is something to be found outside of ourselves, the bliss is here and that's it. And, and where we got love and that's that's all. Um, I've had some time to challenge that. And even before I found these words from Bell Hooks um, to engage with love as a critical awakening, and now I just feel like I have the words for it because I have been um, in partnerships and dating scenarios that have been um, at times wildly painful and just out of this world in terms of things that have happened <laughs> and and things that have just have fizzled out and not worked out. And each time I have been asked either um, in a way that I could see, you know, where, where I could say, oh, here's a lesson I need to learn or life has kind of hoisted it upon me and I've had no other choice but to learn. But each time I've been asked to learn something about myself, how I relate to myself, how I relate to others, what I want and need and how I want to show up. And so having not had this kind of traditional fairy tale where I, you know, have found my person and I'm starting a life in my mid to late 20s, I have had firsthand experience that love, as Belle says, is not this, um, this romanticized idea of bliss and security. It is a critical awakening over and over. And my hope and intention is that if and when I do find the person that I and we decide to be partnered with um, for the long term, that it still remains a critical awakening, that I remain open to the transformation and the awakening contained in love, not as this external prize to be won, but as this practice of continuously opening and growing and challenging the notions that we've once held um, so that we can be open to more love and, and we can not find love, but embody love. And on that note, the embodiment of love is the way that I understand how these two definitions of love from bell hooks relate to the practice of yoga, love as critical awakening and love as transformation. Because awakening and transformation, as I understand it, are two of the central processes of the yoga practice. And indeed, love is the central process of the yoga practice. My spiritual teacher, Swami Jayadevi, who is an urban yoga monk who lives here in Atlanta and has dedicated her life to serving others through yoga, she has this teaching, one of her most simple but well-known and um, powerful, people have got it tattooed on them, and she just says, love anyway. Love anyway. And this is a woman who has quite literally studied yoga all her life. And if her central teaching is love anyway, it feels safe to say that yoga is deeply intertwined. The practice of yoga is deeply intertwined with the practice of love. And I'm remembering as I say that, Another quote from another teacher of mine, he was my first psychology teacher when I was in undergrad school at the University of West Georgia getting my bachelor's of science in psychology. Um, the first time that I walked into his class, he was sitting um, with his ponytail, his gray ponytail playing a sitar. Um, and he told us as a class over and over, 
about psychology, about the, the process of understanding other people and the mind and ourselves, we understand better so we can love more. We understand better so we can love more. And to me, this speaks really deeply to the critical awakening piece of Bell's definition of love is that um, we awaken and we understand so that we can practice more love. And that feels deeply related to what we're doing in the practice of yoga. We stretch ourselves, body, mind, and spirit so we can open more space for love to move through us. We go into these contemplative practices, which is so much of what yoga is, breath, meditation, self-inquiry, self-study. We go into these practices to critically awaken and understand ourselves so that we can embody more love, both for ourselves and for the world. And so this critical awakening piece feels so central to what yoga is. And in fact, one of the classical, most fundamental, widely known and used mantras, sacred Sanskrit phrases in the practice of yoga is Om Namah Shivaya. Om Namah Shivaya. And it's um, kind of literally, it's a salutation to Shiva, who is um, kind of the mythical first ever yogi. He represents the energy or the essence of transformation. So it's a transformation mantra, which there we are. We haven't even started talking about how the transformation piece relates to yoga, but it's already here, right? Because transformation is a fundamental process of yoga. Um, But It's a transformation mantra, and it has a lot of different translations. I've heard many, but one that I love and that I've always felt deeply connected to that I've heard is, make me aware of what I don't know yet. When we're saying Om Namah Shivaya, when we're connecting to the deep teachings of yoga in that way, we're saying, make me aware of what I don't know yet which to me is another way of saying, help me awaken, critical awakening, help me understand more. And why do we understand more? So we can love more. It's asking, the process of yoga fundamentally, as I understand it, is asking for a willingness to understand and know what we did not yet know, even if it is uncomfortable, even if it's not blissful, even if it's painful, and sometimes especially so. A willingness to be with the truths that we might not have seen before. And the ultimate purpose is love. And to me, that flows right into this idea that transformate the, the ultimate purpose of the practice of love is transformation. Because when we are asking to know what we did not know before, when we are willing to critically awaken, we're asking to transform. Because when we know what we didn't know before, we are fundamentally different. Even if we choose not to act on that information, there's still a there's still something new. There is a new seed planted within our minds and our hearts. And it changed it's it's something different than it was before and it makes us different than we were before. So when we purposefully ask to understand more deeply to to see more clearly which again as i understand it is so fundamental to what yoga and the path of yoga and uh, contemplative practice is we are asking to be different than we were before we're asking to transform 
We are asking to be in constant growth and change because the idea is that life is in constant growth and change. There's this idea of Shakti, which is the Sanskrit word for spiritual energy, and it is supposed to be the energy that animates the whole universe, that animates everything. And it is in, it's said to be the energy of transformation because it's constantly moving, constantly flowing, constantly creating, constantly transforming. And so when we kind of align ourselves with the present moment, which is another one of the practices of yoga, we're aligning ourselves with the essence of life itself, which is transformation. And so yoga itself is a process of transformation, a process of knowing what we didn't know before so we can grow more. And what I have been taught by my teachers is that the reason we do that is so that we can love more. So we can allow ourselves or essentially what we're doing is allowing ourselves to be changed. And my another I keep saying my understanding because it's it's one perspective, right? It comes from my teachers and from my studies, but my understanding is that when we allow ourselves to be changed, we then move through the world differently. We move through relationships differently. And then we move through the world differently and the people we're in relationship with move differently. And it truly is how, you know, we change on a fundamental level so that fundamental change then ripples out into the world. And that might sound idealistic and I'm fully aware that that's not the whole picture because systemic change is absolutely necessary in the world that we're living in today. But I I do believe, I believe in transformation. And the teachings of bell hooks have affirmed for me that saying I believe in transformation is saying I believe in love. And according to bell, love is a critical awakening and it is a willingness to be transformed, which is so much of what I understand that the practice of yoga is. And I'm feeling so struck by the synchronicity of of it all, the way that it all aligns and teaches us. And I just want to offer a deep bow to bell to her spirit for being the the practitioner of spirituality and yoga that she was and she may not have claimed that although she, I'm I'm aware that she had some buddhist leanings and she met with Thich Han once but um, she embodied she embodied that and so now is the moment when I'll invite us to embody it in practice embody love as willingness to be transformed and critical awakening through meditation practice so this is where we sit and meditate in the awareness offerings podcast if you are doing something that precludes you from sitting still and meditating you may want to pause the podcast and come back whenever you have the time and space and it's safe for you to sit but if you're coming along i'll invite you to go ahead and get yourself into a comfortable seat A comfortable seat is any seat in which you can lengthen your spine. Long spine because the spine is where the nervous system is located. It's where our energy moves. So things feel a little more connected and steady and flowing and supportive of meditation in that way when we sit up tall. As you find your seat and you can position your hands and arms in any way and sit on or in any place you need to, right? on the floor, but I would recommend sitting on a cushion or a blanket or something, maybe with your back to a wall, maybe in a chair or on your bed. But as you find that seat, I'll invite you to close your eyes 
or gaze down the tip of your nose or gaze softly at the floor. Once again, if it feels supportive, you never have to do any of these things, but if it feels supportive, softening your external gaze to turn toward yourself and establish some presence here. You might begin to transition your focus to your breath. You don't have to do anything with the breath in this moment except watch it like you would watch the sky or the sea as your inhales move in through your nose and expand and as your exhales move out through your nose and release. You don't have to focus on your breath if that doesn't feel like supportive practice for you. You could also choose to focus on anything that's happening right now. Whether it's a sound you can hear, a feeling you feel like the clothes on your skin or the temperature in the room. Anything that's happening right now just to orient you to the fact that you are also in this right now. Just connecting to that present moment, that essence of aliveness that is always transforming and reminding us of transformation. First, just settling into awareness of that space. You might notice as you settle into practice that you have a busy mind still, and I will invite you to release any judgment around that because you have a human mind. Human minds are made to be constantly going to assess things and analyze things to keep us safe. That's how they evolved. And also you have a human mind in a world that is constantly overloading it with information. So it makes sense that your mind is still busy and it doesn't mean you're meditating wrong. But what we can do is use tools not to push the thoughts away because they are a part of this experience as much as the breath and anything else we feel. But to go a little deeper than the thoughts, to critically awaken to the space within us that is deeper than the narratives of the mind, which can often be distorted and limiting in so many ways. And one of the tools for the mind is sound that practice of mantra, Sanskrit phrases. And we will go into the practice of using that Sanskrit phrase, that fundamental practice of Om Namah Shivaya. Make me aware of what I don't know yet. Transform me so that I can love more and keep my heart open. And we'll use it as a silent mantra. So just thinking it as we breathe in and out and giving our mind something to focus on that is a little more transformative and deep than the thoughts. So as you inhale, I'll invite you to think Om Namah Shivaya. And as you exhale, Om Namah Shivaya. Inhaling Om Namah Shivaya. 
Exhaling, Om Namah Shivaya. Inhaling, Om Namah Shivaya. Exhaling, Om Namah Shivaya. In and out with the breath. And if for any reason the Sanskrit doesn't connect with you, you could use, you know, please transform me on the inhale. Please transform me on the exhale. Or please awaken me on the inhale. Please awaken me on the exhale. Or make me aware of what I don't know yet on the inhale. Make me aware of what I don't know yet on the exhale. You get to choose. Just drawing your mind into relationship with the idea of awakening and transformation. On the in-breath and on the out-breath. Om Namah Shivaya. Om Namah Shivaya. Or your transformational phrase of choice. Practicing a willingness to be transformed. To be aware. So that you can love more. Om Namah Shivaya. And if there's something present with you that, you know, your awareness has made you aware of, if this is a moment of awareness for you where something has come up, especially if it is that critical awakening point that can sometimes be painful or uncomfortable. I'll invite you into a practice of gratitude for yourself for the courageous willingness to know what you didn't know before and be willing to be transformed by love.
feeling whatever it is you feel. Holding yourself with breath and presence as you kind of lean in to the heat of transformation, saying Om Namah Shivaya, or your phrase of choice. And perhaps you start to breathe in and out at the center of your chest as you breathe in and out your Om Namah Shivaya phrase. as you practice willingness to transform and awaken you align yourself with the deeper qualities of love and the center of the chest is the energy center associated with love so it's almost like in asking for transformation rather than resisting it or fearing it although there might be some of that in there too and it's okay you draw your heart open and you breathe in at the heart. Om Namah Shivaya. And out, Om Namah Shivaya. And even if it feels messy and imperfect and wild and weird or any of those other qualities, know that those qualities might just be getting us closer to love. Because as Bell Hook said, it's not about bliss all the time, at least. Not about security. It's about the willingness to be awake to it all anyway. Let's breathe it in and out a few more times. Om Namah Shivaya. And then I'll invite you to take a breath in through your nose. And sigh it out through your mouth. Just a grounding and release. Let's do that twice more. One more time. when you're ready you can begin to blink your eyes open maybe move around a bit coming out of the space of formal meditation but maybe keeping that awareness at the center of your chest even as your eyes are open even as you transition into the rest of your day and your world that willingness to transform stays with you and becomes an embodied practice of love. 
Thank you, Bell Hooks, for your teachings on what love is. And Om Namah Shivaya. Thank you for joining me for this awareness offering and for going into embodied practice with me. You can find me on social media at Laura Tara, L-A-U-R-A-T-A-R-A, on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. My intro and outro music was created by none other than my very own brother, Oxella Sun, O-X-E-L-A-S-U-N, whom you can also find on Instagram. <laughs>